0: Good morning everyone. You please stand with us.
1: in your presence all our fears are washed away when we see you we find strength to face the day and in your presence all our fears are washed away washed away suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation jesus for our sake you die yeah
2: chapter one, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. This is the God that we worship, this is the God that we serve, and we are here to give Him the praise and the glory. While you're standing, take a moment, welcome those around you. You may return to your seats and you may be seated. Want to take a moment just to say good morning and welcome. We are glad that you are here to worship with us on this Sunday following Thanksgiving. I pray it was a good week that you ate plenty and laughed a lot and just enjoyed the many blessings that God has given us. If this is your first time and I see some first timers this morning, welcome. We are Glad that you're here with us. If this is your first time, we would appreciate if you'd let us know. There's a couple ways you can do that. There's a QR code that you can scan in the bulletin, or there's a connection card um, out there at our welcome desk. Uh, We would appreciate if you would let us know. And if there's any way that we can pray for you, help you, uh, please let us know that as well. Let me go ahead and make some announcements now. Um, I saw several of you stop by the NBC Connect board. You were looking at the tags for Christmas in Coweta Uh, We're helping two families, a total of four boys. That information is on the tag. Pull some of those tags. You'll see a table where you can bring the items back. Make sure you bring the tag back and put it on that item. Um, Check it when you leave. I have a feeling by the end of today, most of those are going to be gone. And so it's just a great way for us to help uh, a couple families who, for various reasons, maybe have fallen on hard times. Um, And if it wasn't for us and our generosity, Uh, their boys may not have any Christmas presents. So it's a chance for us just to love on these two families. Ladies, you're invited to a women's ministry Christmas party. That's this Friday, December 1st at 6.30. Bring an appetizer to share. Um, You can see Miss Deanna with questions. Also, you'll see an announcement about the Iwana store. We need you to bring items for the Iwana store by next Sunday. So please do that. I shared last week that's a great opportunity. Kids are rewarded for saying memory verses. They get shares. They get to go into the store, purchase things. And what's really cool about Christmas is a lot of the things they purchase are for you. Parents, siblings, grandparents. So if you have some items, donate those. Please go do that. And then the last thing is we have normal activities tonight. um, And we also have our quarterly church conference following that at 7.15. So we hope that you will uh, come for that last week you saw a video about Casas and our going to Guatemala it was a general video this morning we got a little bit longer video about the family that we're going to be serving now understand the family is not speaking in English there is a translator interpreter but he has an accent There is some words on the screen. It may be hard for you to see. It may be hard for you to make out everything. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send out the link to this video through our Remind app after the service. So you can, if you miss a couple things, you can watch it on your device and maybe hear better and read better. But we still wanted to present this family to you through this video for you to be praying for them. And then Brian's going to come and share a word and pray for us before we continue to sing. So if you'll play that video.
3: Mi es Edgar Estuardo Bocciperia. Mi name es Edgar Estuardo y su, su
4: nombre?
3: Mi nombre es Elba Marina Chayko. Y mi name es Elba Marina. ¿A qué se dedican ustedes actualmente? Pues yo me dedico a la albiñilería. And uh, uh, the work that I'm doing now is con- construction. ¿Y usted qué hace? I'm de casa. And I'm a uh, wife. Wife keeper. I stay at home, uh, taking care of my kids. También tengo entendido que tiene un hijo. ¿Cuál es su nombre?
4: Julian
3: Estuardo Watch. And we got a son. His name is Julian Estuardo. Pues, que ya no, que la familia es muy grande. Y ya no, ya no, ya no entramos. Sí. So, some of the things that we are struggling living in the currently house is that we are a large family. We don't have enough room to live together in the house. Yes, it will change us a lot because it's a regalo of God. And we will going look for more of Him because God is so big with us and it will help us a lot. So our life is going to change when we are going to get this house, because uh, it's going to be a very house to live and Also, we are going to be so grateful be- with God, because uh, we can see that God is great, and uh, is going to change our life, and we are going to be so so grateful. Yes, sí, I for my family, Por toda my mi family, my parents, my hermanos, my hijo, my esposa y por toda la familia. And so my prayer request is for my whole family, my parents, my brothers, and for my whole family and the, the future house.
5: the iglesia Montermont pamoca estamos en la aldea pamoca
3: so my name is for him mario bac and my church's name is montermont Mon- and my church is located in uh, pal pamoca a village from uh, san ramon
5: novela no la necesidad de que esta familia no tiene casa, vive con sus padres. So I saw this family that they are in need
3: and um, they don't have any house to live. They are living with their parents. And in the house that they are living, there is living 12 people in the same house. So that's why I chose this family to build a house.
5: Los padres de ellos le construían una casa. Y ellos, casi desde eso empezaron a activar. Ellos se han convertido a Jesucristo desde ese anterior, o sea construir la casa, espero también que que ellos ellos no están activando, pero que a pesar de esta casa, ellos puedan tener una casa mejor en el cielo, pero que ellos también aprecian que puedan activar y buscarle al Señor, ya que es un regalo del Señor de lo que se va a hacer en esa casa, es un regalo del Señor, que solo Dios lo, por medio de, de mi persona, pero yo sé que Dios ha...
3: So the result that I uh, am waiting for after building this house uh, is that they can attend the church because a long time ago we built a house for uh, his family and before we built the house they attended church. And that's my hope for this family, that they can also attend the church because they can see how love the family. And that's the um, expectation that I have to encourage the family to continue serving and attending the church.
0: that makes it a little bit more real for you. If you saw the the plaque there at the beginning of the video and they showed it again the end, that's literally like what they put up at the build site so they know where to deliver materials to uh, and that kind of thing. So where you saw the video filmed, as far as I know, is where is exactly like where we'll be building the house. Um, Costas does a neat job of like introducing us to the family and the pastor before we go. Uh, If you couldn't uh, hear or understand uh, the the, uh, husband's name is Edgar, the wife is Elva, and then uh, you s- actually saw their son uh, at different parts of the video, or you heard him, uh, but Julian, or Julian, uh, is his name, I believe he's, he's three, uh, the pastor's name is Jorge, uh, and as you uh, may have picked up, they currently live with their parents in a house with 12 people, uh, and I'm sure it's not a house that we're accustomed to, it's, it's a small house, um, but still has, um, Uh, 12 people in it. So I I got up last week and and talked about uh, how we needed to raise eleven thousand three hundred forty two dollars for the house and we were just a little bit shy of it. Um, But I'm very pleased to report this morning that we've raised that and more so we fully funded the house so let's give thanks for that. Uh, So that's just awesome um, that we've been able to do that. Uh, as I said, we've raised a little bit more. That goes towards the team. So at this point, uh, each team team member's cost is roughly $800 um, per person. Some uh, we have, I think, six families with two or three people going in the family. So every you know every bit that we give above the cost of the house uh, goes to reduce uh, the amount for the team members. Um, so just ask that you continue to uh, to pray. Now you have a uh, name and faces uh, to go to go with your prayers. Um, and uh, as you you know, feel led to, uh, to continue to give now through, uh, really through January, um, just pray that you would, uh, would do that. But if you'll go with, um, to the Lord in prayer with me, dear God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for uh, the opportunity that you've put before us uh, to come alongside uh, Pastor Jorge and in, in Guatemala, dear God, and build a family, uh, build a house for uh, this family for Edgar and Elva. And Julian, um, dear God, we uh, we can't imagine um, their living circumstances that they're in now, and, and the fact that uh, we're still a few months away from um, from providing this house. Um, but dear God, we heard in the video that it's the pastor's desire that um, that through this house that it will draw uh, this family closer to you. And uh, we heard uh, Edgar speak of just how grateful uh, he is going to be to you for the house and. We thank you for uh, providing for us. We, th- we thank you for, um, for blessing us with, uh, with the gifts uh, that have provided the, the money that's needed uh, to fund the house. We thank you for um, the team members that, uh, that have signed up. Uh, we pray for the passports that are uh, being processed now. We pray that uh, all those will get uh, completed on time. Um, we pray for uh, our preparation for the trip, and just ask that um, th- through this that uh, you work in our own uh, lives and you work through the, the lives of this family and through this pastor and the community. the God, we pray that in all this that you will be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pray. Lord we just give thanks in this uh, season of thanks, uh, one thing for our church, our great staff, not one great pastor but two great, a uh, great praise team, choir, church staff, Lord we thank you for our families, for our church family, for our jobs, Lord you bless us with so many things. Please bless us now so we can return just a portion of what you've given us back to you. In Jesus' name we pray.
2: Thank you, choir. All right, our kiddos are going to make their way to Children's Church this morning. Everybody else, if you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. Would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, beginning in verse 17 of 1 Peter chapter 1. And if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. You may be seated. There was a woman, she lied dying in her home, and a parish priest came to visit her, and he thought this woman needs the last rites, and so... She walks in and she sees the priest coming to the room and she doesn't know him. And so she says, what are you doing here? He said, I have come to give you absolution. I've come to forgive you. She looked at the man and she said, show me your hands. She looked at his hands and said, you, sir, are an imposter. For the one who forgave my sins has nail prints in his hands. I'm redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. In our text this morning, Peter speaks of this precious blood of Jesus Christ. But before we get into our verses, let me just do a quick recap of what Peter has already said to us up to this point. So when you think about what he said, he's begin with, because of your salvation, because you've been born again, because you have this inheritance that is secure and safe and kept in heaven for you, because of all that Christ has done for you, then when he comes to verse 13, he begins to give them some imperatives. You are to live this way in light of what Christ has done. The first one we see is in verse 13, set your hope completely on Christ's coming. That's an imperative. Set your hope on Christ's coming. The second imperative we looked at last week in verses 14 through 15. Devote yourself to holiness. In light of Christ's salvation, devote yourself to holiness. The third imperative is in verse 17, and we'll look at that this morning, and that is we are to live in fear. To live in fear. What does that mean, to live in fear? Fear. We will explain that. And then the fourth imperative in chapter 1 comes in verse 23, and we'll see that next week, and that is you are to love one another. So set your hope on Christ, be holy, live in fear, love one another earnestly. We do all of that because of this great salvation. So here's the main idea of our verses this morning. This is the only slide I have for you this morning. I will leave it on the screen the whole time so you've got plenty of time to write it down. Here's the main idea as exiles. Remember, Peter says we're exiles, temporary residents. This isn't our home. We belong to a new kingdom under the rule and reign of Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. As exiles, conduct yourselves with fear, knowing that God is both father and judge, and he has ransomed you with the precious blood of Christ. He tells us to conduct ourselves in fear, and then he gives us the reasons we are To do that, because God is both father and judge, and because we have been ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. So let's just break that down and work our way through these verses. God is, Peter says in verse 17, both father and judge. He says, And if you call on him as father, another translation says, if you address as father. We've established in our study already, Peter makes it clear that God is the father of the Lord Jesus Christ and that in Christ he is our Father, that we are sons and we are daughters. God is Father. Now when you think of a a dad, right? you maybe think of a loving dad. Certainly we would say our Father is loving, God is love. But when you also think of an earthly dad, you think of one who has authority. One who has authority over you. As the dad and you're the child, he has authority. So when we think of God the Father, we think of a loving father, but we also think of a father who has authority. And Peter's about to talk about that when he talks about God as judge. God is both father and judge. Now, here's what we tend to do. We tend, as Christians and even as human beings, to want to fall in love with or elevate one of God's divine nature over another. So if you were to take God as father and God as judge and put them before many Christians today or put them before the world, which one are they going to elevate? God is Father. I want a loving God. I want a God who will just embrace me and love me for who I am and let me live how I want to live. The idea of God as judge, that we're accountable to this God, that's what lost world don't want to hear that. A lot of Christians don't want to hear that. But what's Peter say? If you call on him as Father who judges, he's not only Father, but he's judge. In other words, he has all authority and you and I, every person on this planet, is accountable to him. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 5. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. God is judge. And Peter says, our God judges what? Impartially impartially acts 10 34 so peter opened his mouth and said truly i understand that god shows no partiality in other words hear me god doesn't play favorites your kids may come to you and say hey dad who's your favorite hopefully you don't have a favorite if you do you probably better lie you're gonna hurt some feelings right god doesn't play favorites You can't go before God and say, God, you're going to love me differently or accept me differently or you'll accept me based upon this because of whatever reason. God doesn't play favorites. He judges impartially, Now, notice what it says, according to what? Each one's deeds. Let me just give you some scripture. Notice this is all New Testament. Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to... What he has done Romans 14 verse 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. First Corinthians 3 13. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 for we must all say that word with me all small word very important. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Hear me, no one is exempt from the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. A day is coming in which every person who has ever lived, is living, or will live, will stand before The judgment seat of Christ, and every motive of our heart will be judged. Now some people want to say, well listen, the God of the Old Testament, that's the God of wrath, that's the God of judge, but the God of the New Testament is loving and kind and gracious. Notice, every verse I just quoted was from what? The New Testament. This idea that God isn't going to judge, that's a lie. Everyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All roads lead to the judgment seat of Christ. I remember when I was a youth pastor. I remember, I believe, I believe it was a young girl, walked in one night to the youth group, and she had a white t-shirt on. Had a picture of what Jesus, what they thought Jesus looked like. And it said, Jesus is my homeboy. And I thought, uh, no, he's not. Jesus is not your homeboy. God is not just the man upstairs. Like he's some impersonal being That we don't have to give all accountability to. No, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Yes, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Yes, Jesus is our friend. He is our elder brother. But he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And everyone will stand before him as judge. So how ought we to live, knowing that our Father and our Judge, we will stand before Him? So here's the imperative. And if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves. Same word that he uses in verse 15 when he says, Be holy in all your conduct. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. How are you to live? Peter says you are to conduct yourselves with fear. So I was thinking about that this week. Peter's already talked a lot about joy and hope. Does fear contradict joy and hope? Doesn't fear steal joy and hope? I mean, isn't there a sort of absolute terror, this type of fear that that paralyzes you, that takes hope and joy away from someone? Is that the kind of fear that Peter's speaking of here, that you and I are to be so terrified and afraid of God that we live in just this constant fear of what he may do to us? Listen, some of you grew up in a home and I'm so sorry you had to endure this. You had an abusive father. And you lived in fear of whether he was going to hit you, abuse you, whatever he may do to you. That type of environment, that type of fear does paralyze you. That type of fear can take every kid's hope and joy away. Absolutely. It can happen. But that's not the type of fear Peter is speaking of here. Peter is speaking to believers. He's speaking to Christians. So when he says, conduct yourselves in fear, he's not talking about a paralyzing dread or terror, a fear of what God may do to us as Christians. Now, unbelievers, that's a different story. Hebrews says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So if you've rejected Jesus, if you've rejected God's plan of salvation, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But what does Romans tell us? Therefore, there is now no condemnation. So when he says conduct yourselves in fear, it's not a fear of, God, are you going to smite me, God? Are you going to change your mind and not save me, God? Are you going to send me to hell? Right? It's not that type of fear. So what type of fear is it? It is a reverential awe. It is a reverence for God. Let me read Hebrews 13, really quick. Hebrews 13 verses, uh, verse 28. Hebrews 13, verse 28. If I can, uh no. Hebrews 12, verse 28. Sorry. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. So you, in light of God being father and judge, Peter says, as you're in exile living in a world that is not yours, you are to conduct yourself in this reverential fear. And that's not a fear that steals joy and hope, but rather a fear that motivates us. Now, how does it motivate us? Knowing that God is both father and judge means we ought to inspire to live faithfully for Jesus Christ. When you think of a father, you think of somebody who's going to love you unconditionally and somebody who's going to discipline you. Listen, you can't have love without discipline. It is not loving to let your child do whatever they want to do. That's what the world may think. That's not love. You're not going to let your child just run out into oncoming traffic. Hey, good luck like a game of Frogger. You're not going to do that. Like you're going you're to protect your child, right? So you can't, it's not true love if you don't have discipline. And listen, if you have discipline and no love, that's not discipline, that's abuse. When you discipline, it ought to be done out of love. It ought to be motivated by love. And so when you think of, if you, think of, if you had a good relationship with your earthly dad, and I know not everybody in here did, but I did. I love my dad dearly. My dad loved me. But my dad also disciplined me. And so when I would live my life, I wasn't perfect. Ryan will tell you I was close based upon my stories I tell. But I wasn't perfect. But I sought to live my life in the way in which you said, I dare not do this, for my dad will find out. It was a reverential awe. It was a deep love for my dad that I wanted to live in a certain way that would please him and honor him. So listen, God is judge. Every one of us will will be before the judgment seat of Christ. And so you live in this reverential fear, but hear me, brothers and sisters, you don't have to live in fear that God is going to condemn you to hell and God's going to change his mind. Some of you, maybe that's what you struggle with. Listen, God is Father. If you've given your life to Jesus, please hear me, God the Father is never going to kick you out of the family. God is never going to stop loving you if you are in Christ and Christ is in you. He's not going to take that love away from you. You don't have to live the rest of your life wondering, when I get before Jesus, will he change his mind and send me to hell? The answer is no. It's no, not if you're in Christ. So when he talks about conducting yourselves with fear, it's this reverential fear, this motivation to live for the Father in a way that glorifies and honors Him But then he continues. The second thing we we see here is that we are to to conduct ourselves in fear. The motivation is because God has ransomed you with the precious blood of Christ. God has ransomed you. That's what Peter says, knowing that you were ransomed. That word ransom means to liberate, to free. It means to redeem. It means to buy back and to do so at a ransom price. This idea was prevalent in the current culture, the Roman culture. So this Greek word right, has its this idea coming from this first century in which there were so many slaves and the slaves were not free. They belonged to an owner or a master. Now somebody could come in and purchase their freedom. They now owned them and they could let them go free. Or if it was possible and it was hard to do, they could have enough money to purchase their own freedom. But it would always require a cost. But it wasn't just first century. It was also Old Testament. So if you have your Bible, go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. This idea of ransom and being redeemed is is built upon the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 9. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. You from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commands to a thousand generations. He says, You were redeemed. Know therefore. What does Peter say? Knowing that you were ransomed, that you were redeemed. Redeemed. Purchased from what? Look what he says. From the futile ways. From the futile ways that word futile means empty. It means useless. In other words, Peter's saying, apart from Jesus Christ, in your previous life, it was empty. It was useless. Paul talks about we're dead in sins and trespasses, right? We're enslaved. We were separated. So hear me, you're ransomed, not based upon your works. Because your works Are like filthy rags, your works, the best that you have to offer, it's empty, it's useless, it's vanity of vanities, it's it's meaningless. So you're not ransomed because of your works. Listen, you're not ransomed because of your tradition. Look what he says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Because of Adam in his first sin, what's passed down to every person who ever lives is a sin nature. We're sinners, we rebel against God. And therefore, we are not saved because of our tradition or because of our lineage. Nobody's riding the coattails of grandma into heaven. Nobody's doing that. You're not ransomed because of tradition. Listen, you're not ransomed because of your money or your possessions. Look what he says. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Now, silver and gold can buy you a lot of things. But it cannot purchase your salvation. But what does? Verse 19, you were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. You were not free. You were enslaved to the futile, empty ways of the world. And yet God gave us salvation. And hear me, He paid a mighty price for that salvation. It cost the blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6 says, For you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Listen to Leviticus 17, 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. Now, I don't have the time, but I want you to consider this week. Go back to Genesis 3, when God slaughters the first animal to provide covering for Adam and Eve. Or consider... Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifices. Abraham is going to sacrifice Isaac, but God provides the ram in his place. Or consider, right, the day of Passover when the lamb's blood is spilt over the doorpost. Or consider, like, all the sacrifices of the Old Testament, all the blood that had been shed for the forgiveness of sins. And then Ephesians two thirteen says, "But now in Christ Jesus you were once far off; you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus poured out his life for us, literally pouring out his blood." Peter says, "Like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot." Now Peter could have in mind here the Passover lamb that I just mentioned. Peter could have in mind here the many sacrifices of the Old Testament, that the lamb would be sacrificed. Peter could have in mind here Isaiah 53, 7, that says, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. The Old Testament imagery is rich of this lamb that is slaughtered, the blood that is shed, and now Peter is saying, Jesus is that lamb. As John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb, God who takes away the sins of the world. This is a lamb, Peter says, that is without blemish or without spot. Without blemish, without spot. He is the perfect lamb of God. He knew no sin. And he laid down his life for us. And Peter says it is the precious blood of Christ. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I cannot hear that word precious without thinking of the Lord of the Rings. Smeagol. Gollum, right, he gets this ring and he holds it and, you know, he says, my precious. Ryan loves it when I say my precious in that weird little voice, right? That ring, that ring became the most important thing to Smeagol. It influenced him. It changed him. It consumed him. It destroys his life. Consumed by one thing, his precious Peter says our lives are forever changed not because of a precious ring but because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The precious blood of Jesus ought to change you, influence you, motivate you to live for him and to live in reverence before him. And listen, if there's anybody who thinks that they can come to God and claim the name of Jesus and live and do whatever they want, whatever lifestyle they want to live in and never repent and turn from their sins, they don't know the cost of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Because this, that Jesus would die in our place ought to motivate us to live in fear a reverential awe and an honor before our god because we want to please him and honor him i read this week of a seminary student who told that when he was a boy he fell in love with golf he was given a golf club and a wiffle tight ball to hit in the backyard well one day thinking his parents weren't at home he decided to grab a real golf ball so he he teed it up And gave it a good old whack, right? But because he didn't hit it properly, it sliced on him and it went straight for one of the windows in the house. He heard a loud crash and then a piercing scream. He ran for the house, burst into the living room, and to his horror, saw his mother standing in front. Is that my phone? What in the world? All right. Who's trying to call me? I never leave my phone on. Hmm. Anyways, anyways. All right, so he hears his mother screaming. So he runs into the house, sees uh, blood streaming down his mom's face, and he cried out, Mother, I could have killed you. His mother hugged him and said reassuringly, It's all right, I'm okay. The seminary student concluded the story by saying this. When I saw my mother bleeding, there were some, some things I could never do again in the backyard. He said, I could never carry a golf club across the lawn of that backyard. He said, the sight of her standing there with blood flowing down, blood that I had caused, changed my behavior forever. Listen, the precious blood of Jesus ought to change you forever. If you know Christ, you cannot be the same. And all that's glorious and Peter's not done. So let's continue quickly. Verse 20. He was foreknown, this is Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So God has ransomed you, and in ransoming you, Peter says several things. He says, number one, God planned it. God planned it before the foundation of the world. It was foreknown. Now that word foreknown means more than just knowing in advance. It also means foreordained. He foreplanned it. Before the foundation of the world, God planned to send his son, Jesus. Hear me. Your redemption is no afterthought. Your redemption was planned. God didn't, after Satan made a move, call a huddle and call an audible, like you do in football, responding to the defense you changed the play. No, God had a plan. It was to ransom his people all along through the blood of Jesus Christ. So he planned it, then he executed it. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. He was manifested. This speaks to his incarnation. The word became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And he lived and he died. He was crucified. Now, from a human perspective, it appears that Jesus is murdered. But from a divine perspective, Jesus laid down his life. It wasn't taken from him. He laid it down. So God executed it. Then we notice God completed it. Who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him life glory jesus is alive amen he's alive he raised him from the dead he ascended to the right hand of god the father so not only is jesus alive but he's ruling he's reigning and one day he's coming for his people he is alive but then god applies this salvation look at verse 21 who through him are believers in god notice through him the only way to have redemption, the only way to have forgiveness of sins, the only way to be made right with God, to receive eternal life, is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Do you this morning know Jesus, who through him are believers in God. Not only are you sons and daughters, but Peter says you are believers. You are followers of Jesus, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Now look at this, so that your faith and hope are in God. Jesus' death is not the last word. Resurrection is. And suffering, which Peter is about to talk about extensively, is not the last word word hope is he says through jesus through his resurrection so that your faith and your hope are in god this is what god has done for you in christ in light of that live your lives in such a way that you want to honor and glorify him in an art museum in germany hangs a painting of christ wearing his crown of thorns as he stands before Pilate and the mob under the painting are the words this have i done for thee what hast thou done for me a young lady by the name of Frances Havergall viewed the painting during a visit to Germany she was deeply moved as she gazed at it in tears she scribbled down some thoughts on a scrap of paper after returning to her home in England she felt the poetry was so poorly written that she took that piece of paper, crumbled it up, and threw it in the stove. The scorched scrap of paper amazingly floated out of the flames and landed back on the floor where it was found by her father, an Anglican minister, a noted poet, and a church musician. He encouraged her to preserve the poem by composing the first melody for it. Since then, that melody has been changed. It was written, a new melody was published in 1873 by songwriter Philip P., bliss here's the first stanza to what she wrote i gave my life for thee my precious blood i shed that thou mightst ransom be and quickened from the dead i gave i gave my life for thee what hast thou given for me i gave my life for thee what hast thou given for me would you close your eyes and bow your head I want you to understand that you have a Father in heaven, a God, a Creator, a Savior, a Redeemer, who sent His Son to die on a cross for you. We're about to sing one of my favorite hymns, songs called In Christ Alone. He sent Jesus to die on a cross for you, so that if you would put your faith and your hope and your trust in Him, you could be saved, you could be ransomed from your enslavement to sin, you could be free Free to know God, to love God, to walk with God, to live for all eternity with God. So The question for you this morning is, do you know Jesus? Have you confessed your sins? Have you turned from your sins? Have you thrown yourself upon the mercy seat of God the Father, claiming that only Jesus can save you? If you have not, then hear me, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And I would encourage you to turn from your empty, useless vain life of worshiping false gods worshiping the creation in turn to worship the one true god the creator by confessing god i'm a sinner save me from my sin i turn to you god have mercy on me and i plead the blood of jesus save me change me give me hope and a new life for those of us who are believers in christ you will, and I will, appear before Christ. And when we stand before him, because the blood has covered us, we do not have to live in fear of condemnation. We don't have to live in fear of him damning us to hell. Jesus has already paid for that. Jesus has paid for the penalty of sin. But hear me, every single one of us will stand before him. And we will give an account for how we lived his life as exiles. For what we did with his Gift of grace that he redeemed us through the precious blood of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want to be found faithful. I want to be found, though I'm certainly not perfect, I want to be found saying, I gave my life for you. Because you gave your life for me. These verses are meant to motivate us. To motivate us to serve, to live in reverence and all of the very God who created us, sustains us, and saves us. So, if there's anything in your life that you need to repent of this morning, anything you need to turn from, anything you just need to lay before the Lord, anything that is stealing your joy, your hope, your peace, anything that's keeping you from walking with the Lord, anything hindering your prayers, would you give it to the Lord right now? And would you plead as we sing this song, the precious blood of Christ, for that alone can save and ransom our souls. Oh, Father, speak now as we worship and sing praises to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? seated that hymn says i gave my life for thee what hast thou given for me i want to take a moment before we end our worship service by recognizing an individual and her faithfulness in ministry now she asked me not to do this and typically i do listen but miss ann forgive me for not listening to you on this one Several months ago, and you've probably noticed that Miss Ann has not been playing the piano lately. Several months ago Ann came to me and just said, "Pastor, I need to retire from playing the piano. I just can't physically do it any longer." And it was hard for her to say that, but that's a decision she felt the Lord leading her to make. So today I announce to you that after 63 years of ministry of playing piano in worship services, of doing weddings and funerals and revivals and serving alongside the love of her life, Mr. Curtis. After 63 years, after 20 years at Northside serving, which we honored and recognized them earlier this year, that Miss Ann Patton is retiring from ministry. and we love you, and we're thankful for you and your faithful ministry. Now, you know, you, you, can, you can be seated. We're not, we're not done yet. If you know Ann, you know that she's humble, and she loves the Lord, and she doesn't want any recognition, and she doesn't want to take away from Christ. And so that's why she really didn't want me to do anything. But I believe there's a way that we can do this that honors you and honors the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Ann, I know your love for Jesus, and out of that flows your love for two things, your church and your family. And so I thought, how could we best honor her, and then I got a phone call and said, hey, I've ordered something, I'd love to be able to be there and honor my mom. So unbeknownst to you, your son Chris is here, and Chris is going to come because he has something he wants to present to you, Miss Anne.
7: like I know so many of you because of all the stories I've heard uh, over the years all good though all good stories yeah yeah thank you um, yeah so uh, yeah be great um, mom I am so excited first of all that I still have one more plate of Thanksgiving leftovers to eat today so um, I mean I'm very excited about being here too but um, I am excited about a little later to get to eat more Thanksgiving dinner but No, y'all have been family to my parents, and Aaron, I'm so grateful to you just for how generous, how gracious you've been over the years. Um, Growing up, really, of getting to see my mom and my dad and their faithfulness, uh, the hours and hours of practice for both of them, um, more so my dad and my mom. She's just better. But, uh, (laughs) yeah. um, But growing up, Mom, getting to see you and your faithfulness and... I would always cry every time she sang and played to God be the glory. I don't know what it was about it, but the Holy Spirit would just move in my heart. And I've been in ministry now for almost 30 years. And I, I don't have a sermon. Aaron did an amazing job. So I'm going to keep it very brief. But uh, because of you, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. And um, because of your faithfulness to the Lord, because of your faithfulness to each other and to our family, um, I'm here on behalf of my brother and sister as well, Kurt and Debbie, um, and we have this gift for you today, so mom, if you want to make your way on up. But um, you have been just an incredible, and still are, wife, um, mom, grandmother, and great-grandmother. And um, we all, I know, love you very much and are so proud for all that you have uh, accomplished in 63 years. She's been playing since she was six, and, uh, but has been playing in church since uh, she, in 1960. So 63 years of faithfulness. And uh, so we have a gift for you, Mom. I'll, I'll kind of open this for you, and hopefully you'll all be able to see it. But this is um, a little piano and a stool, and then it has uh, engraved on here. Ann Patton, thank you for 63 years of ministry. God has used your gifts of singing, playing, to help countless lives know the love of Jesus. You are remarkable and then it has psalm uh, 40 verse 3 which i think is so curious. <laughs> <laughs> psalm 40 psalm 40 verse 3 says this you have put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our god many will see and fear the lord and put their trust in him. We won't know until we get to heaven the many who have come to know Jesus and have walked with Jesus because of your ministry. So thank you mm-hmm. for who you are, but also thank you for all that you've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, just as a little side note, my mom's gonna appreciate this. This also doubles as an urn. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> I, tried, I was gonna get. I was going to get a plaque, you know, or some kind of something, and I was talking to my brother and sister, and I found this on, like, a memorial page, and it looks so perfect. And <laughs> so, Mom, it, you get, it's, it's double, double. So uh, I, I know your wishes, and uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, this will be of double use. Uh, long time from now, long time from now. Yes, so yes. Can, I, can I pray for her? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much for my mom. Thank you for her faithfulness over all these years. Um, Thank you for who you are and Jesus for what Aaron um, just preached today. God, we we thank you for who you are and and what you've done in each of our lives. And God, thank you for the many, many years of faithful service that this woman has given to her family, um, to her husband, but also to your church. And um, God, we are are grateful for uh, all that she is and all that she has done. And so, God, we just in Jesus name ask your blessing upon her. I know that there's a sense of grieving and mourning, the loss of being able to sit behind that piano and play, God, but I just pray that you would work in her life to give her comfort knowing that that she has done very well, well done, my good and faithful servant, and that, Lord, she can now pass on the torch to someone else and help the next generation lead your church. And so, God, thank you for this um, amazing woman who is remarkable, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen
2: amen so thankful for for miss ann and she's going to continue singing in the choir serving any way that she can because that's her heart uh, going to continue just to keep curtis in line and help him and curtis is going to continue uh, doing what he's doing and leading us in in worship and um, part of miss ann when she came to me she said hey i want I want this to be a smooth transition, and so the Lord laid Heather McMichael upon our heart. Heather has the background with music, and Heather has volunteered um, just to use her gifts and her talents, and that's why Heather's been playing, and so she's stepping in that role, just saying, hey, I want to volunteer. I just want to use my gifts and talents to serve the Lord, and so she's done an amazing job, and we're incredibly blessed, and, and Anne gets to just to pour into her and, and just love on her, and, and that's what you love to see, the body of Christ training up future servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, So, Anne, hopefully you will forgive me. Um, uh, Make sure you love on Anne, and give Curtis a hug, too, while you're at it over here. Chris, thank you for coming, man, for being a part of that. If you'll stand, Gary's going to come and and lead us in uh, the Great Commission as we end our service this morning.
3: All right, Northside, friends.